Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 72. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I am in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and in particular how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress update. The final draft has now been forwarded to the designer who is currently working on the layout and design of the book and we will continue to keep you posted on the progress. And now to this week's podcast, where we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 36th week of 2023, and that is from Monday the 4th to Friday the 8th of September. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamu Huri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the world's manufacturing center where on Thursday, China reported yet another monthly decline in imports and exports. For the month of August, the value of exports in U.S. dollar terms fell by 8.8%, whilst the value of imports fell by 7.3%. The value of imports has now fallen every month since January 2023, whilst the value of exports has declined every month since April 2023 as global demand for Chinese goods continues to dwindle. China's economic rebound from the COVID pandemic has slowed down in the past few months, mainly due to the debt crisis in the property sector as well as weak consumer spending. And over in the United States, stocks rose slightly on Friday but still logged a losing week amid renewed worries that the Federal Reserve may raise interest rates much higher than previously expected. According to the Fed Watch tool, traders are now pricing in a greater than 40% chance that the Fed will hike rates in November after an anticipated pause in September. The Dow Jones Industrial Average added about 76 points to close at 34,576, whilst the S&P 500 edged up by just 0.14% to snap a three-day losing streak and finish off at 4,457. 
and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite act out a marginal gain of 0.09% to settle at 13,761. All the three major averages capped off a losing week as the Dow closed lower by about 0.8%, whilst the S&P and the Nasdaq declined by 1.3% and 1.9% respectively, and this was their first negative week in the past three weeks. Uh, Please note that the stock market is considered a reliable barometer for the overall health of a country's economy. In the U.S. bond market, the yield on the two-year Treasury note inched higher on Friday as investors assessed the possibility of further rate hikes following the release of strong economic data in the U.S. Concerns about further rate hikes have increased as a result of several economic data points that suggest tightness in the labor market, which could lead to sustained inflationary pressures. And the prospect of elevated interest rates for a much longer period has fueled concerns about a potential slowdown that could slide into an economic recession. All in all, the yield on the policy-sensitive two-year Treasury note rose nearly four basis points to 4.993%, whilst the yield in the 10-year Treasury bond was flat at 4.262%. And for your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated, which means that as interest rates rise, bond prices fall and vice versa. In the commodity market, on Friday, the price of crude oil gained almost 1% to a nine-month high, driven now by concerns about reduced supplies after both Saudi Arabia and Russia extended their production cuts this past week. Saudi Arabia and Russia have confirmed the extension of their voluntary supply cuts, which adds up to a combined total of 1.3 million barrels per day to the end of this year. And consequently, Brent crude increased by 0.8% to settle at $90.65 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate rose by 0.7% to settle at $87.51 per barrel. For the week, both crude oil benchmarks were up about 2%, And this follows last week's gains of about 5% for Brent and about 7% for West Texas Intermediate. Meanwhile, Marbon Oil, which Kenya imports, rose to $92.02 per barrel, and this was up from $88.59 the previous week. Please note that the price of crude oil is a major contributor to inflation as higher oil prices tend to lead to higher inflation and consequently higher interest rates which tend to slow down economic growth. In the precious metals market, the price of gold ticked up on Friday, lifted up by a slight dip in the US dollar. Meanwhile, investors stayed put as they await more economic data this coming week to gauge whether the Federal Reserve will opt to pause or continue on its rate 
hiking path. The price of spot gold inched higher by just 0.1% to settle at $1,920 per ounce. The focus has now shifted to the U.S. inflation data that is due out on the 13th of September and thereafter followed by the Fed's monetary policy meeting on the 19th and 20th of September. Traders are now pricing in a 93% chance that the Fed will leave rates unchanged during the September meeting. And for your information, gold has an inverse relationship with the U.S. dollar and was previously viewed as a hedge against inflation as well as a store of value during times of uncertainty. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. We start by looking at the domestic foreign exchange market where the shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. According to data from the Central Bank of Kenya website, the official exchange rate for the U.S. dollar was quoted at 146.04 Kenya shillings, compared to 145.41 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 150 shillings on the lower side, to above 153 shillings on the higher side. The lowest US dollar rate was quoted by Stanbic Bank, which quoted 150 shillings flat, whilst the highest rate was quoted by INM Bank, which quoted a rate of 152.65. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 183.34. And the euro was valued at 156.74. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 25.54 Ugandan shillings and 17.15 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.17. In the past one year, the Kenya shilling has lost about 20% of its value against the regional currencies. And this in turn has weakened the country's dominant trading position in the East African region. The current trend suggests that the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future. And this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 60% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 60 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined by $29 million to $7.05 billion US dollars, which is equivalent to 3.81 months of import cover. This is in breach of the central bank statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the recent funding received from the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under immense pressure, and this is due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, which has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. 
in the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market improved significantly during the past week as government payments into the market exceeded and more than offset tax remittances to the government. The excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 10.3 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 12.38%, which was just slightly lower than the 12.4% that was recorded the previous week. And during the week, the average value traded in the interbank market increased to 32.1 billion shillings from 26.6 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 7th of September, and the central bank received bids totaling 38.8 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of about 162%. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 34.8 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate rose by 24 basis points to top out at 14.23%, whilst the 182-day rate increased by 43 basis points to average out at 14.36%, and the 364-day rate shot up by a massive 109 basis points to settle at 14.86%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that the one-year yield curve has now reverted back to normal, after it had inverted over the past two to three weeks. However, as interest rates continue to rise, investors remain focused at the short end of the yield curve, where they can reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. And just as a reminder, remember you can now invest in treasury bills and bonds using the recently launched Dow CSD, which is a web-based platform, as well as a mobile app that allows retail investors to invest in government securities in an easy and convenient way. The new platform allows retail investors to open bond trading accounts with a central bank and thereafter to purchase government securities directly from the comfort of their mobile devices without having to physically show up at any central bank office. For more information on the Dow CSD and how to invest in government securities, please visit the Central Bank of Kenya website. In the primary bond market, the Central Bank of Kenya has published the prospectus for its September bond issue and is looking to raise a total of 35 billion shillings for the stated purpose of budgetary support. The central bank is now inviting bids for the following fixed coupon treasury bonds whose terms and conditions are as follows. The first bond is FXD1 stroke 2023 stroke 002. This is a reopened two-year bond with 1.9 years left to maturity and a coupon rate at 16.97%. 
the second bond is FXD1 stroke 2016 stroke 010. This is a reopened 10-year bond with 2.9 years left to maturity and a coupon rate at 15.039%. These bonds are now open for sale until Wednesday, the 13th of September. And please note that the minimum investment amount is 50,000 shillings, and both bonds are subject to withholding tax at a rate of 15% for the two-year bond and 10% for the 10-year bond. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic market increased by about 16% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's euro bonds increased by an average of 21 basis points, with the yield on the 10-year euro bond that matures in 2024 increasing the most by 70 basis points from 14% recorded the previous week to 14.7%. And the following is a summary of the key interest rates in the Kenyan financial markets. The first is the central bank rate, which is the rate that the central bank uses to signal and transmit its monetary policy intentions, and this is currently at 10.5%. Meanwhile, the interbank rate, which represents the basic cost of funds and is the rate at which commercial banks borrow and lend money to each other, is now hovering around 12.4%. And on the investment side, the 91-day Treasury bill rate, which represents the risk-free rate of return and is the rate at which government borrows money from the public, is now trading at 14.23%. And on the cost of living, Kenya's rate of inflation is now at 6.73%, which means that the prices of goods and services has increased by this percentage over the past 12 months. The rate of inflation is also a good indicator of the minimum rate required for any investment to deliver a positive real rate of return. And for your information, the next Monetary Policy Committee meeting will be held on Tuesday, the 3rd of October, 2023. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market recorded a mixed performance with the NASI and the NSE 20 gaining by 0.6% and 0.2% respectively, whilst the NSE 25 declined by 0.5%. This takes a year-to-date performance to losses of 22.5% for the NASI, 8% for the NSE 20, and 18.8% for the NSE 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by gains recorded by large-cap stocks such as Bamburi, Safaricom, and Standard Chartered Bank, which increased by 5.7%, 2.6%, and 1.6% respectively. These gains were, however, weighed down by losses recorded by other large-cap stocks such as East African Breweries, Equity Group, and KCB Group, which declined by 3.5%, 3.3%, and 0.4% respectively. And in related news, during the past week, the Nairobi Securities Exchange announced that it had launched two new market indices. The first one is the NSC 10 share index, denoted as the NSC 10, 
and this will be used to track the performance of the equity markets. And the second new index is the NSC bond index, denoted as the NSCBI, and this will be used to track the performance of the bond market. Up next is the topical issue for this week, and this week we're reviewing the outcomes of the first African Climate Summit. This past week, Kenya played host to the inaugural African Climate Summit, which culminated in the Nairobi Declaration, where African leaders once again requested the developed nations to honor their commitments to provide $100 billion in annual climate finance. Against the backdrop of the African Climate Summit, the United Nations World Meteorological Organization and the European Copernicus Climate Service announced that the June to August season of 2023 was the warmest such period since records began way back in 1940. The average temperature for these three months was recorded at 16.77 degrees Celsius, which was 0.66 degrees above the average for that period. This comes after a series of extreme weather events across the Northern Hemisphere, with repeated heatwaves fueling devastating wildfires. And to cap it up, the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, said in a statement that climate breakdown has already begun. And in related news, Safaricom announced that it had secured a 15 billion shilling facility from a consortium of four Kenyan banks, namely Absa Bank, Stanbic Bank, Standard Chartered Bank, and Kenya Commercial Bank. The multi-billion shilling facility is a sustainability-linked loan, which is targeted to support Safaricom's ESG agenda, that is, Safaricom's environmental, social, and governance agenda. This transaction is the first of its kind and represents the largest ESG facility ever undertaken in the East African region. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you as always for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. The Market Color Podcast is now also available on the WhatsApp channel. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. 
And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, you will feel the fear and you will feel the doubt. But do it anyway. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.